Okay. I am. Um, we've been talking about uh, all sorts of things through October, but mainly we've been talking about this, the cry of our hearts, the fact that we have a, a heart cry, if you will. Um, uh, all of us have got things that go in our hearts, and sometimes we manage to express them, sometimes we don't. And I've really been talking about just how important it is to express what's on your heart, and that that's a good thing to do. And that as a culture, we tend to kind of, we tend to think that expressing who you are and what you are can sometimes be seen as a negative thing. Certainly expressing a cry of your heart can be seen as a negative thing. But I actually think it's the most beautiful thing. We've been talking about holding things lightly. And then last week I said this, anything broken can be mended, anything closed can be opened, and anything lost can be found. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe that anything that is broken can be put back together in an even more beautiful way. I believe that anything that's been shut down can be reopened and anything that's lost can be found. Because uh, that's what Jesus does really all the time. And this morning I want to I wanna continue in that vein, but I also want to share why it's not, it's not really possible to experience the fullness of the delight of what Jesus has got for you unless you are willing to share the cry of your heart. Um, so this morning we're going to talk about etymology, secrets, and verrucas. Is that all right? <laughs> etymology, secrets, and verrucas. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, I want to start off with some etymology. Etymology, for those of you who didn't know the word, like I didn't before I looked it up, uh, is the study of the history of words. And, um, and, and I've entitled today True Courage because when... When we think of courage, most people think of being heroic. They think of people going over the top in World War II, for example. They think of people doing things that risk their life and limb. But the root of the word courage is the word core, which is Latin for heart. And courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. So originally, courage was not about, it was about actually sharing your heart. Brenny Brown says this, heroics is often about putting your life on the line. Ordinary courage is about putting your vulnerability on the line. But I would say it this way, to be truly courageous is not to put your body on the line, but to put your heart on the line. Perhaps true courage is about putting your heart out there and sharing your heart. Um, it's more courageous to risk your heart, and the benefits are also far greater. The truth is we simply cannot enter into the fullness of what Jesus has to offer if we're not willing to be courageous and share our hearts. We just can't. And I, I've shown, I'm going to show you a, a video that I've, I've shown you before. Uh, well, I have if you were here. <laughs> um, but it's called um, Known and Loved, and it, it's a lady who does a, a spoken word piece uh, based on John in chapter 4. John chapter 4 is about a lady who's a Samaritan woman. This lady um, is basically an outcast by a society. Um, and Jesus is a Jewish man, so Jewish men and Samaritan women definitely don't converse, they don't talk together. Um, but she's also an outcast in her own village because she's collecting water at midday. Well, generally, you would collect the water with the rest of the women in the village and you wouldn't do it at the height of the day. So this lady is a total outcast. Um, and Jesus uh, starts talking to her, even asks her for a drink, asks for help. Um, and all of this breaks every cultural norm and barrier you can imagine. Um, 
But I just want to play this um, video because it's just a powerful piece. I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain, pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me, but don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And you know me, you actually know me, all of me and everything about me, every thought inside and hair on top of my head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread, my past and my future, all I am and could be. You tell me everything, you tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say I am he. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. I believe that every single human being wants, in fact, needs to be loved. But most of us are terrified at being known. Most of us are terrified that somebody might know us, might know the very depths of our heart, might know our thoughts, might know the way our thoughts go at times, might know the things that have been done or the things that have been done to us. The problem is that you can't have the fullness of one without the other. Jesus said this, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now it sounds a bit harsh from Jesus, doesn't it? You've got to give up everything, but he's not He's not saying you've got to give it all away and go live in a monastery with nothing somewhere. He's talking about holding things lightly. He's talking about not holding like this, like we talked about two weeks ago, but just holding it lightly. But I think nearly all the time when people have heard these words, they've thought about the external material things. They've thought about giving up the car or the house or the clothes or giving the money away or whatever. But perhaps those words do refer to that, but perhaps giving up everything might mean your memories, your experiences, your pain, your trauma, your past, your present, and your future. 
perhaps giving up everything was not just about external things, but it was about giving up your heart. Maybe the only way to fully become a disciple of Jesus, to become somebody who actually knows to be loved and to be known, means to give it all away. Of course, that's terrifying. We know how we do It's absolutely terrifying. Unless you already know you're fully loved and already fully known. Because what if being fully loved meant you could be fully known and what if that was actually possible? What if somebody already fully knows you and yet still fully loves you? What if somebody already fully knows you and yet still fully loves you? You see, the truth is that Father God already looks at you like that. And I know Father's not a helpful phrase for some people, but it's who he is in the best way of that being. The best possible way you could imagine he is a Father. And he knows you. He knows everything about you. It says that he knew you before you were formed. It says he knew you in the womb of your mum. It says he knows you, every hair on your head. He knows you, and yet he loves you. You are already fully loved and fully known. The issue is not whether you're fully loved and fully known. That's just a fact. The issue is whether you're going to allow yourself to be fully loved and be fully known. You see, we all have secrets. Things we'd rather no one know about us. Oh, most of us have secrets. Some of us have learned to give them all up. And yet at the same time, there is a part of us that would love to live life without secrets. So most people have secrets of some place or places they just don't want to share with anybody. And I understand that. I've been there. I've lived there. But I also know that I didn't really want to live there. there was a, I knew there was a more freeing place that I really wanted to live, but I didn't dare live there. Our worst fear is that someone who doesn't love us might find out our secrets because most of us have experienced that and they've been used against us. But our worst fear is that we might be known and not loved. That is terrifying. And when kids talk about secrets, they say things like, let's not give the secret away. And so from an early age, you start to see that keeping secrets is important. And sometimes people have interacted with, when they were children with adults who told them not to keep, to keep things secret, to not tell anybody. All deeply unhelpful. And yet the key to being transformed, the key to being made like Jesus, the key to find actual healing for all those things is to do the exact opposite of what you were perhaps taught as a child or have learned to live now. Perhaps what we feel comes naturally to us is to give those secrets away. Actually, the key, the key to be known is to actually share those secrets. But of course, the challenge is finding somebody who you know you love with. Because in one sense, you can go, well, God already knows me. He already knows all about me then. Okay, well, I don't need to tell anybody because he already knows me. The, the problem with that, though, is these words here. If we claim our fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Now, people think this word sin is like, it's like all the ways we get it wrong, but it's also all the ways that you've been done wrong and the effect it had on you as well. So this is not just like, okay, yeah, I did this wrong, I've got to fess up to God and then it'll all be all right. No, this is like, no, but all the things that were done wrong to you that caused you to be in some way, shape or form, well, God wants to purify that as well. 
that's like the effect of things done wrong on you that sits on you. And of course, if we claim to have fellowship with him but walk in the darkness, in other words, we keep it, in, we keep it hidden, we keep it covered, we keep it secret. And hey, I understand why. But listen, it's only when you bring in the light that Jesus can shine his light on it and heal it. And I've seen this time and time and time and time again in my own life and in many other people's lives. I want to show you something from a story in John chapter 13, which is about, uh, the story is about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, which was common in Jesus' day. Everybody wore sandals, it was dry, it was dusty, so when you arrived at your destination, somebody would wash the dust off your feet. It was a first century version offering you a cuppa when you walked through the door. All right, where you go, do you want a cup of tea? They'd go, let me wash your feet. That's just how it was. Totally normal thing to do. Very practical. But it also spoke of something deeper. Because the dust of the day was all the dirt you'd picked up. The stones that had got on your sandals and annoyed you. As well as being a real practical, physical thing, it was a metaphor, a picture for the pain and the injuries, not to your body, but to your soul that you pick up every day. How many of you know that just on a normal day, you pick things up that's it's not really a stud in your shoe, but it feels like it because it's painful in your heart. And this passage that we're going to look at in a minute is incredible because firstly, it shows us the type of people we can trust with our secrets. I don't trust my secrets with just anybody. I am very careful who I trust my secrets with. But it shows us the type of people that we can trust with our secrets. But secondly, it shows what we need to be like if we're going to share our heart. So these are the words, John 13. Jesus knew. So this is like the, the prelude to the story. Jesus knew that, Father God had put, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. So first of all, Jesus knew some things. And that's one of the reasons he was qualified to do what he did. He knew some things. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. So he knew that he'd come from God and was turning to God. So he knew where he was from and he knew where he was going. Well, that's important, isn't it? Because most people don't have a clue where they're going and don't have a clue where they're from. But I know I come from God and I know I'm going back to God. He also knew that he'd put all things under his power. So he knew he had some resources. For me to share anything of any depth with anybody, I would have to know that they knew that they were loved by God and that they had a form of security in him. That they weren't just loving me with their love, because that'll never work, as you all know, but they were actually loving me not just with their love, but they'd, they'd so known the love of God that it was oozing out of them towards somebody else. They would have to have a security in God that's deeper than mine and that I could see and sense in them that I could actually feel oozing out of them you can sense and feel security God's security you can feel it they'd also know where they were going Jesus knew he was going back to the Father he knew life was going to get better and better because Father was waiting for him I don't share my secrets with anybody who thinks the best has passed and it's all downhill now it's already looking hopeless in my life because I've got all these secrets I'm not going to share with somebody who has no hope. That's, right. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. 
if you're going to share life with somebody, make sure their outlook is one that says, life's getting better, the best is yet to come. And, and I don't mean some ridiculous thing called heaven when you die. I mean like now, yeah. on the earth. You need hope. So sharing your life with someone who is hopeless is a hopeless task. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't want to share my life with somebody who's going, oh, uh, sorry, it's going to be terrible. It's all going to go downhill. Oh, well, thanks. Do you want to hand me the tools I need to end it then I what like, like I want somebody who's going to go no come on it's going to be alright there's a better future there's a more hopeful future there's something good going to go on right now somebody who knows where they're going Jesus knew the father had put all things under his power what does the person you're thinking of sharing with know do they know what God's given them do they know the gifts the talents and the abilities do they know the limits and are they willing to admit to them what about you? What about you if you're wanting to look after people? You've got a heart to care for people. Well, you have to know all these things then. You have to know where you're from and where you're going. You have to know what he's given you and what you don't have because that's as important to know as what you don't have. Do have, don't have. Both of them. If you're going to listen to the cries of other people's hearts, and my Lord, do we need some people who can listen to the cry of people's hearts right now? What was the latest stat? Over 50% of people in this nation are anxious or depressed right now. Over 50% was the latest stat. My Lord, do they not need somebody who can bring them some hope? Do they not bring somebody who can go, look, there's more to it than this. This is not the end. Do they not need somebody who can listen and just bring them some hope and some life? You don't have to have it all side, but you've just got to know a few little things. It's not hard to bring some hope right now, is it? I mean, there's not much about it, it seems to me. But you've got it. And we've got to be bringing it more and more. So Jesus has sat down. Very unusual. A rabbi. So Jesus was a rabbi, he had these disciples. There were tons of rabbis in Jesus' day and tons of disciples. So in that sense, there was nothing different about Jesus other than the message he carried and the life and power he carried that was very different but no rabbi you normally get a servant to come and wash people's feet no rabbi would take off his outer garment and kneel down and make himself vulnerable and wash your feet that was uniquely different jesus came to simon peter simon peter said lord you're not going to wash my feet jesus replied you don't realize now what i'm doing but later you'll understand nah said peter you're never going to wash my feet jesus answered Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We must allow him access. But there are many times when Jesus has wanted to cleanse you, to heal you. He's spoken to you about many things. He's asked us to share our secrets with him and with others so that we may be healed. But many times we have replied like Peter and said, no, I know this because I have also done it. We've chosen for all sorts of reasons to not go through that process. And yet when Peter says no, presumably for all sorts of reasons that he thought were good at the time, Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you allow Jesus to wash you from your pain, according to Jesus, you have no part with him. That's a pretty major thing to say. It means that it's possible to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to minister to the poor, to see incredible miracles go on. But actually it's possible 
If you want to be a part of what Jesus is all about, the first thing you need to do is let him heal you and then go give that same healing to others. You see, we have majored on the minors and minored on the majors. We have majored on uh, making external things the most amazing thing. We've thought if you can preach and see thousands get saved and if you can do this and that and the other and you can pull people out of a wheelchair, suddenly you're a celebrity. But Jesus says to everybody, no matter what they've done, if you don't let me wash you, I have no part with you. We've got to start majoring on our hearts. I actually believe that that's part of this new era we're going into. That there is going to be a majoring on the heart and a majoring on people's hearts. Because frankly, all the external stuff, you know, you read it in the Bible, all the external stuff other people could do. You know, you read about Moses and the, 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 the magicians. They could do what Moses could do. All the external miracles. Throw this, throw this rod down and make it be a snake. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. No problem. Boop. Not a problem. But there's only one person who can touch your heart. There's only one person who can heal your heart. And my prayer is that as we go into a new, I believe we're in a new area, as we go into it, I believe the healing of hearts is going to be key to it. And we're going to see it more and more, and you can be a part of it. We're going to see all the other stuff as well. But healed hearts first. And we won't get taken up with all the excellent stuff. I long for the day. I love it. I love it that we can all get excited about Ty getting free of addiction. But I long for the day when we get more excited about somebody's heart being healed internally. Like, I... The thing is, I could, I, you know, I could do an interview with Ty and I could put it out there, oh, free from drugs, and, I could, and it'd get loads of views. But, but most people would miss the point that it's his heart that's been healed. Yeah. And that's the powerful story. There's the power. The fact that through Jesus, his heart's been healed of his pain. But we're still so taken up with all this external stuff. We've got to get back to our hearts. We've got to get back to our hearts. I pray I never hear these words. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. I never knew you. The Greek word there is the Jewish idiom for a husband and wife being together. It's about intimacy in its deepest form. The truth is that Jesus wants to know us at our deepest level, at our most intimate place. And that is more important to him than any external thing we can do. Than anything external. But whilst we're impressed by the external, we'll miss that truth. Whilst we still talk about the external and we glorify the external and we say that all oh, this is woo, 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 woo. I worry that there may be some people who one day meet Jesus and he goes, I don't know much about you. Yes, you've done all sorts of wonderful things, but I don't really know much about you. You never shared your heart with me. I don't want to be one of those people. I won't be one of those people. But when Jesus says these words, he effectively says, you never opened up to me, you never shared with me, you never confided in me, you never allowed me to serve you, to minister, to heal, to restore. You never allowed me to serve you. You just thought that you could serve me. Remember as well, 
that to wash feet in Jesus' day was not a one-off thing. It was a daily thing. This is for all of us. This is not about just processing that big thing that happened in the past and then living life. This is about living a life where Jesus washes you every single day. It's about living a life where we bring the aches and pains in front of Jesus and allow him to know us and to heal us. And then from that place, of course, you can go and restore others, whatever that may be and look like. Sounds so good, doesn't it? Share my secrets and be healed of my pain. And yet for nearly every single one of us, there's something that goes, hmm. Part of us goes, oh, yeah, I want that. And then part of us goes, ah. Of course, that's because, as we've already said, most people's greatest fear is to be known and not loved. It's this, I think, more than anything that means we keep our secrets to ourselves. And it's a common reaction. It was Peter's reaction, as we've already mentioned. Many of us, for all sorts of reasons, have also said no to him. And I can imagine that if right now I offered to wash everyone's feet, to literally wash them with water, not everyone would let me. Some would say they had a shower that morning, so they didn't need it. I mean, that's good, well done. <laughs> Others would be embarrassed because they didn't like the look of their feet. Perhaps they've got a Veruca or athlete's foot or calms and they didn't want to share their secret Veruca. <laughs> Others wouldn't want me to do it because they wouldn't want to bother me. Wouldn't want me to put me through my trouble of it. Many people would make excuses. Why? Because it feels uncomfortable. It's not a normal thing to do in that sense. And yet we often allow our sense of comfort to stop us being healed and restored. Many people don't want to share their secrets because they're embarrassed, embarrassed, ashamed, feel guilty or scared, don't know whether they can trust people. All true. I've come across this many, many times. And remember, when I say these words, I'm talking about sharing it with somebody who you know loves you. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything with anybody who you don't know loves you deeply. And also, has actually shared all their secrets. Because I ain't going to share my secrets with somebody who hasn't shared theirs. But the issue, as Jesus puts it in John chapter 5, verse 6, is simply this. Do you want to be well? In the end... It does come down to a choice. You can choose to share the hurt and the pain and bring it into the light and allow Jesus to heal you of the pain of it, or you can choose not to. Both options cost. Both options have risks. You may believe both options have upsides, and perhaps they do in your mind, but in the end, only one option gives you the option to be healed, and the other keeps you locked up in pain. Both options cost. Keeping hold of it, keeping it in the dark, not sharing it, that costs. That has risks associated with it. Sharing it costs. It has risks associated with it. But only the sharing of it allows Jesus in. I in no way minimize the courage that is required to share those painful things we've gone through. Sharing those things we're ashamed of. Things we've pushed as far to the back of our minds as we can to try and minimize their effects. But I am not talking about being known and unloved. But being loved and known, that's precious. And it's the only kind of knowing I'm interested in. You see, if it's true that we're going to be in an era of, of the heart and healed hearts, 
then we have to keep building a family that is loving. We have to keep building relationships that are together. We have to keep journeying together. And we have to go on a journey with it. We have to take it slowly. If you've never, if, this is, if that thought of just sharing your heart with somebody about some fears, some, some concerns, then you don't suddenly start with the one that's right at the back of your mind. You just start at the beginning. You start with the one that you feel like, okay, this is a bit of a risk, but life won't end if somebody found out about it. You start there. And then you see what happens. That's what I've found. I want to finish by rephrasing the poem from the video to finish. For to be known is to be loved. To be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what is the point of doing either one of them in the first place? You want to be known. You want someone to look at your face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all you are and could be, all your hopes, loves, and fears. This is not too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for. There is no need to keep to yourself, no need to keep all the pain, pain that keeps you in your own private jail, the pain that's brought you here at this time, in this place. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what is the point of doing either one of them in the first place? This is not too much to hope for, to wish for or pray for. There is no need to keep to yourself, no need to keep it all. Pain that keeps you in your own private jail. The pain that's brought you here, at this time, at this place. We all carry pain. Every single one of us. There is nobody in this room who does not carry pain of one sort or another. So we're all in it together. Some of us have just learned to not carry it. We've learned to not be imprisoned by it. And we've learned that even when we pretend it's not there, it still really is there. And that no matter how deep you bury it, it still impacts you and affects you. So I want to give us a moment just where you are. And I particularly want to say, and I'm just going to close my eyes as I do this bit, I particularly want to say that if this is a new concept for you, and the thought of just sharing something or even going, no, this hurts right now, then I know that Jesus loves to act in that place. So I'm going to pray in a minute. And if there's something that you are thinking of right now, something that as I've been talking is going around your mind that's hurt you, maybe it feels you like a big thing, it maybe feels you like a small thing, but nevertheless it has hurt you, it's, it's wounded you in some way in your heart. Then I want you just to, in your heart, not out loud, just in your heart, just say, Jesus, this hurts. And I want to be healed of it. So just right now, just in your heart, 
If there's anything that you are feeling right now that's hurting you, that's paining you, just tell him it. Literally, just in your mind, just go, Jesus, this is hurting me. And his response is, I know. I know. But Father, I pray a lot that even as we have just in our, heart, in our hearts, Father, acknowledged a little bit of pain in our hearts, Father, I pray that you would take that pain as you so beautifully do in the name of Jesus and that you would deposit your peace in its place, Lord. I pray, Lord, there would be a peace about it, Father. And that you would show to each and every person here that this is your heart and that they can trust you and that you do actually have an answer. You do actually have a solution to the pain in our hearts. Father, I thank you for your work in our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for peace in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, you'd minister to our hearts. You want to show yourself. I know you do. And I'm asking to show yourself in new and fresh ways. You never ask us to jump through bars too, hoops too big or bars too high. You meet us where we're at. So right where we're at right now, Father, meet each and every one, whether they be in this place or online, meet them. Whatever their journey with you, meet them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Just at the beginning of the service, I um, just kept seeing the picture of a jewellery box um, with a ballerina in it. And, um, and just as and when the service has just been going on, I've just really felt like that that's just a bit of a picture of what Adam's been talking about, that there is a heart to these jewellery boxes and there is a ballerina. No, I can't dance, I'm not a ballerina. And, um, but there is a ballerina in there that is waiting for the light to be shone, for the lid to be opened, um, for the ballerina and the music to be played. And not only are there those traumas, those pains, those secrets that are in those hidden depths of our hearts, but there are also incredible gems in there too. So it's not just something that we are, that is, is a negative, not a negative thing, but it's, it's not just hard work, although it is, but there are also precious, precious things in there as well. And as we release those and as we open the lid to our heart and as we process and work through those things um, that we share with those that, that love us and that are for us and that have, um, yeah, that are able to take us through that process, we also discover those things that are hidden underneath all of that pain and that trauma. Um, and they are there, we each have them. And we need to give ourselves the time and the value to find those as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, um, 
and just saw the, just that ballerina then just dancing and twirling round and that music being played, that that is what Jesus is like can do in and through yours and my life as we share those things that are deep within us. Um, so yeah, it's a beautiful thing as well, okay? Um, and I'm excited to see more and more of the deposits of God that are in each and every one of you and me that is covered by all of that trauma and that pain. So yeah. <laughs>